Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Will Kintish. A very warm welcome to you, Will. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure. And it only seems right to have you on the show to talk about what you do. So why don't you share what it is you're doing right now? What I'm doing right now in terms of business, Amy, is something I've been doing for the last 21 years, one month and 22 days. Because on the 1st of June in the year 2000, I left 36 years as an accountant and started to show people how to develop their networking skills. So for 21 years, I showed them how to work a room. Well, of course, since COVID arrived, we've had to change that because we weren't able to go working a room. So now I've been showing people, and what I do now in answer to the question is, show people how to work the Zoom. And that's what I do. My, I'm basically a one-trick pony. Fortunately for me, um, the world of networking has never changed. I mean, I, I, I've been working for 57 years, and you can imagine the changes in that time, Amy. It was pen and paper in those days. There was no internet. There was no mobile phones. There were no laptops. But they were networking then and they're networking now. And why I do it, because I do believe, and I'm doing my best to be modest here, why I do it is because so many younger professional people struggle with networking. They're clever people, academics, many of them. I, I work with MBAs and PhDs all over Europe I, and, until lockdown. I travel to many, many countries showing people at universities and business schools how to network because the business schools realize it's all very well having your PhD, having lots of letters behind your name, having your certificate on the wall. But if you can't network and interact with people, those degrees can be a bit of a waste. And I absolutely love getting emails from people later on saying, well, I now know how to do it. It's so easy. It's so obvious. I can, it's helped me with my career. And for those of you in business development, it helps people get more business. So my why is simple. I really help people develop their networking skills. Because you know what? people don't really understand what it is. Because you, Amy, me, Will Kintish, and everybody in the world, we network from the age of two. Do you know what it is? Don't tell anybody, because I won't earn a living. Networking is just talking to people. And that's all it is. And I think it's just the word, because people simply don't understand the fundamental aspect of networking. It's talking, it's building relationships, it's communicating. 
whether you've been in front of a Kintish uh, training session or at a conference, everybody networks every day of their lives. They either build new relationships or in our case today, in our conversation, we're reinforcing our existing relationships. And that's what I do. I've had inquiries this week from India. I've been working recently with Texas, Switzerland, Israel. Um, oh, yes, a university in Barcelona. We're talking to and even, and I better not mention the name, but a very, very, very well-known computer company uh, from Texas have got 400 graduates working for them uh, over a three-year period. And the person, the head of learning and development says, but will they don't talk to each other? They'd much rather type or WhatsApp. And you know what my big mantra is? Talk more, type less. And the youngsters of today find it a struggle to talk to people. I say, for goodness sake, pick up the phone rather than sending that email or the WhatsApp. I mean, so many people see, I, I met a lovely lady, uh, my big love, you say, what else do I do? My really big love when I'm not working is hiking. And I belong to a group called Fresh Walks. You actually pay for this hike and the guy calls it networking, and that's what it is. And I was on the walk last week. Um, the interesting thing about that, Amy, is I'm 35 years older than the average age of those people, so I've got to keep up with them. But I met a lovely lady called Hannah, and she said, oh, I'll get in touch with you, Will. And I thought, oh, that's great. And I saw nothing on LinkedIn, and I saw uh, no email from her. And you know where I found her? She wrote to me as an intro on Instagram, which I found really quite, well, I suppose it's how they do it today. But it would not be my obvious start of a relationship online using Instagram. But she's a creative, and that's where she lives. So that's my what do I do now? I've been doing it 21 years. And you know what? Every day is my birthday because I just love doing it, absolutely love doing it. And I joke with my audiences. I say to them at the end of my talk, it's my birthday today. And they start to clap. I say, no, 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 don't clap. I say, if you were in prison for 36 years as a chartered accountant, it'd be your birthday every day. I love that. I love that, Will. And congratulations for 21 years in business as of the 1st of June. That's a great milestone to have. So you were 36 years in accounting, and clearly that held you for a long time. What was the pivotal moment where you said enough is enough? That's a great question. My life has been ruled by two people in two conversations in two days. I believe I am the most proactive person you'll ever meet, Amy. I'm, I always take the first step. I always make the first move. I'm 16 years old, didn't do very well in my GCSEs, get hauled into the headmaster's study, and he said, Kintish, you're not clever enough to go to university or even the sixth form. I think you ought to leave and go and get a job. What am I going to do, sir, I said. He said, the only thing you're good at is maths, so go and be an accountant. So that was day one. And day two, in answering your question, how did I leave accountancy to do what I do today, 
In April 2000, my accountancy firm, of which I had been a senior partner, had just been taken over by a big national firm of accountants. I get hauled in this time, not to the headmaster's study, but to the managing director's study. And he said, well, now we've taken you over, you're not happy here. Why don't you go and do your training? And the reason he said that was that for the last year or so before that conversation, I'd been training as a trainer with an organization called Dale Carnegie, which I'm sure you've heard of, who wrote, in my opinion, the first book on networking, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You think about that title, Amy, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's all networking is, written 1936, and is as relevant today as it was when written. So Mr. Managing Director said, well, we'll give you some money. We'll take your clients off you because you're not going to do accountancy anymore. We'll give you a lump of money and you can set up your own training business. So again, I had no intention of ever leaving accountancy because I couldn't afford to. But because we've been taken over by a big national firm, I had the opportunity to leave. And that's it. Those were two pivotal days in my life, directed by other people and not even thought about by me. And that's that was it. Yeah, it's interesting you said you're really proactive. And yet the two pivotal moments were both actually decisions that were made for you. 100%. That, that, that is the whole irony of it. Because when, it go, when we go back to uh, talking about networking, I say you walk into that room and you can do one of two things. You can be a spectator standing on the side or you can get involved in the arena. And if you value your time, for goodness sake, don't wait against the wall. Don't wait for somebody to come and say, oh, hello there. Your job, first of all, I say to people, for goodness sake, get there early. Get there early. When you get there early, it's so much easier than having to walk into that room and face all those people who probably by then have formed relationships and are in groups of people. I mean, I, am, I hate that thought. The scene of walking into a, what I call a mature room, never do it. So I plan my diary so that I'm there very, very early. I see somebody against the wall. And you know what, Amy, do you know why people that go to events and stand by themselves on the wall? Simple. Number one, they don't know anybody. And number two, they're nervous as hell and they don't know what to do. So it's my job and your job and everybody else listening's job today to go up to them, smile at them, look them in the eye and simply say, hello there. Can I introduce myself? Oh, hello there. My name's Will. Where do you travel from today? Or what made you come to the event today? I never, I, I, I always say, never ask a business type question to start the relationship. Never, 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 never. Don't ever start off with what do you do? That can come later. The, the small talk, which is the glue of the building of relationships should always come first in the conversation. And what you have to do is find something in common. We both traveled to get there. We both came for a reason. If you and I are a guest of our famous association, our favorite association, the Professional Speaking Association, when I go to one of their conferences, I'll go up to somebody and say, hello, uh, is this your first convention? Or hello there, 
Um, are you a member of the PSA or, or are you a guest? So always look for something relevant to the event at that moment. And that's all about being proactive. And you know what? People standing against the wall, Amy, I say to you, are nervous and don't know anybody. And what they're actually doing, you know, subconsciously, they're praying. They're praying for somebody to come and talk to them. And you will be the answer to their prayers if you go up to them and just start to chat. It's so easy, isn't it? It is. It is so easy. And it's interesting that you said you never asked that question about what it is you do. Because my opening question in all of these podcasts is, what is it you're doing at the moment? Which is very different to what is it you do? And from that perspective, you also use a bit of a metaphor and it conjured up an image because you talked about how you can either be a spectator or you can get involved in the arena. And I just thought, oh, that's a bit of a gladiator sport kind of conjuring up an image there. And it can be quite nerve wracking going into a space where you're not in the know or you've not been there before. And as you say, you go against the wall because obviously the lions aren't going to get you that well from there. So, yeah, it's a great metaphor. But I love networking and I always have done. Do you think that there is another play here in terms of your personality type? Well, it's fascinating you ask that. You and I are often fellow guests on the Derek Arden show on Monday nights. And I don't think you were there this week. There was a guy called John Baker. Were you there? You were there. And um, John claims to be an introvert and John claims to help the introverts become good networkers. And, I, and he said this, and I only 100% agree with him. The introvert, the quieter, shyer person, let's not use the word introvert, the quieter, shyer person often, very often, makes the best networker. Why? Because they focus on the other person. Taking the Dale Carnegie quote, the most interesting people we ever meet are those who are most interested in us. And that is what the quieter person will do. He or she will be interested in the other person. I mean, what does the extrovert do? They talk about themselves, they want to be the center of attention. And when they go home to somebody who they might live with, the, the partner said, oh, well, what did you learn tonight? Well, of course they learned nothing because all they were doing was talking about themselves. So I, I have to explain to the quieter person, really, you can be the best networker as a quieter, shyer person. Just focus, focus on the other person. You know, Amy, people love talking about themselves and let the other person do it. I would suggest to you that the biggest percentage of my talking when I go networking is asking questions. That is the number one core skill of good networkers is to be genuinely interested in the other person because when you ask questions, you make them feel special. But when you don't ask questions, well, what are you saying to the other person? I'm not interested in you at all. And I have, um, you may or may not like this, I have a four-question rule, Amy. If I ask somebody one question and they answer the second question, third, and get to the fourth question, and they haven't asked me anything, this isn't the start of a relationship, it's an interview. Uh, and if you ask it in the wrong way, it's, a, it's an interrogation. So 
if they show no interest in me, don't want anything about me, don't want to build on their knowledge, I think, well, you're rude, but I will be very, very polite. And if it's at a physical event, which I hope we can go back to shortly, I'll say, well, Amy, it's nice to have met you. Enjoy the rest of the event. And off I'll go. So questioning is the key. You, you started off by asking me, what are you doing now? Can I give you an extra one? You might, you might even change your script. And it's come from the late Queen Mother, our present Queen's Elizabeth's mother. At the start of the 20th century, many, many women did not work. They were, they were housewives. And she'd say to them in the early stages, so what do you do? And they say, oh, I'm just, a, I'm just a housewife, mom, or I just look after the kids, mom. And she changed it to this question. So what keeps you busy all day? Do you like that question? Yeah, I love that question. What keeps you busy during the day? Or... No, 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 all day. What keeps you, oh, during, all day? What you, all day. Doesn't matter. During the day is a nice, nice variation. Yeah. Another one is what brings you the most joy? I like asking that question because then you can talk about other things in life, which is great fun. Thank you. What brings you the most joy? Yeah. Which, which let me tell you something else then. In every conversation I have, whether it's a podcast like this, I'm always looking for my aha moment, my light bulb moment. Because if you leave a networking, a business event, let's not call it a networking event, a business event, not having spotted something of use, i.e. the aha moment, it must have had a dull, a number of dull conversations. So you've given me my aha moment. So thank you for that. And I say to people, if you're in business development, you're okay, you're there to build relationships. You mustn't sell, mustn't sell, mustn't sell. But you must, when you ask the right questions, you might spot whether there is a potential need for your services. So if somebody says, you know, I need help with presentation skills, I need help with networking, or our present accountants aren't very good, those are all aha moments. They're moments when your brain should say, do you know what, there might be an opportunity here. And what you do, no selling, you keep asking a few questions, and then you move to the important stage. You say to them, do you remember a few minutes ago, prospect? By the way, you don't call them prospect, you give them a name. Do you, do you remember a few minutes ago, prospect, you said you weren't happy with your existing advisors or you needed to learn how to be a better presenter? You look them in the eye because we want the truth. People can lie with their words, but not with their tone of voice and body language and their eye contact. You look them in the eye and you say, because a few minutes ago you said X, how do you feel about me giving you a call later in the week and let's continue the conversation then? And that is the start of your follow-up. You can't sell them anything at an event, whether it's online or face-to-face. -face. All you're doing is fishing and hoping that the next conversation might lead to some business or at least to the next stage towards business. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. And you mentioned that obviously you wouldn't say prospect to their face. And what I remember from Dale Carnegie's book is that the sweetest thing to anyone is their name. 
And in that respect, I recently went to a wedding and I was introduced to four people all at once and they had just me to remember. And four people, boom, 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 boom. I remembered all of their names. A little bit later, they quizzed me on it and they said, oh, I bet you can't remember our names. And I remembered all four and they were really impressed. But that's something that I've always made the effort to do to remember someone's name there and then in the moment. So Will, tell us more about how you go about remembering people's names. The big issue here, Amy, is it's nothing to do with memory. It's to do with, and you've said it, bullseye, A, attitude, and B, not memory. You're listening. That's what it's all about. People give their name and people are worried. Am I smiling? Do I look right? Is my hair okay? And they're missing the most important bit. I'm so delighted you brought that up. Um, when I um, when life was normal and I did my training, I'd often have 20, 30 people in the room. As long as they came in in dribs and drabs, I would work like heck to learn their names, 20, 25 names. So I'd say, good morning. And I'd go around the class, say, good morning, Amy. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Charlie. And they couldn't believe it. How do you do that, I say? And I, it's a bit glib, but it's how you do it because you wanted to. You concentrated. I went hiking on Friday and I met two guys and I can remember their names now. One was called Luke and one was called Harrison. And when they found out what I did, what did both of them do? Oh, they were financial advisors on this hike. Uh, I, and they said, what do you do? And like you, they, they got into the subject of names. So they said, you remember our names, don't you? I said, how do you remember that? I said, well, Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I shoved a Bible on your head to remind me. And the other guy was called Harrison. Well, my late father was called Harris, and I'm his son. So, Harrison. So it's about associating. But, Amy, it is so important. Names, critical. I mean, I turn up at clients. When I do universities, it's often only once a year because they'll have a new cohort each year. So for many years, they'll be the same receptionist. And I have to, sometimes I have to cheat. I will say to the person who's booked me, just remind me the name of the receptionist when I turn up. And I remember turning up a couple of years ago to Cass Business School in the city of London. I say, good morning, Shirley. I tell you what, she couldn't. Mr. Kintish, how do you remember my name? So, well, that's your name. I didn't say I think, well, that's your name, isn't it? And you can see how people, I don't know, they, they just, give me a word, expand. They just so love it. And, and, and people, and I bet you get it all the time. Oh, I'm rubbish at names. They say it all the time to me, and they probably say it to you as well. I'm rubbish at names. I say, well, because it's not, you don't care, do you? You don't care. When you care you'll remember their name. And the, and the other thing I say to people, because let's be honest, if you're in a very noisy room and they might have an unusual name that isn't common, we don't hear it. So again, people don't say, tell me your name again. So if I don't hear your name, I say, I'm sorry, tell me again. I said, they're never going to say, now look, I've told you once, I'm not going to tell you again. <laughs> so, um, and they laugh. I said, just... 
change your attitude to names. And that is why I make sure I have an acronym. First impressions, A shine, A S H I N E. The A stands for appearance. The S stands for smile. The H stands for handshake in the good old days. The I stands for introduce yourself. In other words, when you are asked, what do you do? Don't tell people what you are. I'm a trainer, I'm a presenter, I'm a coach, I'm an accountant. Tell them what you do, answer with a verb. The N is what we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes, their name. And the E is the eye contact. And when you get those five right at the beginning, isn't that a powerful way of starting a relationship? And I used to do training with some school kids and I probably spend half an hour just talking about the A shine. And I say to them, when you start going for interviews, if you don't get the A shine right, they'll dismiss you very quickly. It's all so obvious, isn't it, Amy? And yet it's basic, it's fundamental that we, and so many people don't do it. You describe yourself as a one trick pony and that you've had this sole focus on this particular area of expertise. As you say, it is simple. So why are people not getting it right? I qualified as an accountant in 1971. My daughter qualified 25 years later also as an accountant. The syllabuses or syllabi, if that's the word, was the same. The professional, the financial, the technical, the academics are never told how critical it is, the soft skills. That is the reason why. Somebody once said to me, you know what, Will? If we talk hard skills and soft skills, I, the hard skills are the technical skills, that, that's the easy stuff to learn because there are rules for technical stuff. The soft skills are the hardest to learn. And I believe that the education system does not take into account that. I mean, for example, 10, 12-year-olds ought to be taught about money, ought to be taught about budgeting. Right. I know I'm sounding like a grumpy old grandpa, which is what I am, of course. But really, the basics, they ought to be taught how, how to engage with people, as we've said. I mean, I hate this phrase. It makes me sick, but it's true. It's true. It's true. People buy people before they buy the product or service. You know, we go into... Um, we're, uh, we're moving or being well from Manchester to London. And my son-in-law recommended a removal company in London. And I found a lady yesterday and she said, oh, we don't normally move. We don't normally go to Manchester. We'll take from London to Manchester, but we don't normally come to Manchester to bring back to London. I said, oh, well, fine. If I, oh, well, no, maybe, maybe we'll consider it. And I said, you don't see, I mean, I said it in my sweetest possible way. I said, you don't seem very keen, do you? She said, you don't need to be like that. And at that point, I said, look, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll fill out your online, because these days removal companies ask all the questions. You fill out and they give you a quote. I said, I'll, uh, I'll fill out the online form, perhaps, and we'll take it from there. But do you know what, Amy? She was bad news. Talk about how not to win friends and lose uh, potential clients. Uh, what do they call them? I mean, the sales, 
there's a word for them. People who do their damnedest not to get a sell. Well, she was an expert in that. You go into a shop and, and you, you like somebody, you, you see a pair of shoes and they're helpful, you often buy them, even if they're a bit more expensive than going back online. Yeah, it's so critical, isn't it? That connection that you make with people. So with the communication concept and the way of working now, Will, and clearly it's been a real passion for you over these recent years, what's the mission? What's the legacy that you want to leave behind? That's simple. I want to be thought of as somebody who was kind, who was generous and who was helpful with his time, with his knowledge, with his expertise and his experience. I do lots for nothing. If you're involved in any deserving cause, Amy, and you've got a group of people who need support with networking, always happy to do it pro bono. Uh, and that's what I want to be thought of. Somebody who was there to support me, somebody who's helped who helped me change my confidence, really, because that's what it is, isn't it? Walking into that room, I mean, don't get me wrong, if I occasionally do arrive late, and you know about me arriving late sometimes, about me arriving late, if I do arrive late at an event and the groups are already formed, I'm probably as nervous as the next person, particularly if I don't know anybody. So what I'm doing is giving people simple techniques to reduce their stress levels and hopefully increase their self-confidence. That's what I want to do. That's really interesting because if you described yourself as a confidence or a stress coach, you probably wouldn't get as many bookings as if you described yourself as someone who is helping them with their networking skills. Yeah, we, we use the word help. It's one of my foibles. When people say, what do you do? I try and avoid the word help because everybody uses the word help. And it's become a bit passe, really. Try and find a more illustrative word. I, I show my clients how to develop their networking skills because it, that's what I do. I show them. I don't talk about the theory of networking. I show them or I'll say I show my clients how to work a room. So the word help, I say you know, if you're a management consultant, say something like, I show my clients how to improve their bottom line or how to decrease their costs. So um, just make it a bit more interesting rather than help. I help my clients too. Fantastic. And you mentioned also, Will, that you find that it's more the younger people who are struggling with networking. Is that the case or is it across the board? I love to tell this story. There's an accountant, a law firm, probably the biggest in the world, called Clifford Chance. And I got an opportunity to present to their young associates one day. And one of the senior partners came in to introduce me. This guy would have been on one to two million quid a year, probably, because that's how much the top lawyers earn. And he introduced me and he said to his audience, ladies and gentlemen, I wish I'd heard this 30, 40 years ago. Even now, I'm nervous as hell walking into that room. And to be fair, when I go to events, I often see the senior team standing, talking to each other. So the answer is, most people need my help, but, but the older, more experienced people won't admit it. Fair enough, yeah. I, I, talk about, I talk about the six group. There's only ever six groups of people in a room. There are three groups whose body language say, come and join us. 
And there are three groups that's, who are in closed format who always say at that moment, don't come and join us. And that is something that nobody ever, everybody I've ever taught says, wow. And 15 years later, they say, well, I can walk into that room now and I know who to talk to and who not to talk to. I mean, that's my big legacy, how to work a room and knowing the six groups. So what are the six groups then, Will? Share with us very briefly. Very briefly. The open three is one we've already talked about, the individual standing on his or her own. Couples who stand in a V-shape, they're generally called men, and I'll explain why in a moment. And then you get trios who stand in a semicircle. Very often they're also men. That's the three open groups, or the green groups as I call them. The three closed groups are couples facing each other, trios standing in a triangle, and then what I think is the scariest group of all, the groups of four or more, who are either in a square or if it's five or more, they're standing in a circle. And I say, the later you get to an event, the more there will be closed formatted groups because people will already be in there. And that's another reason to get there early. And you know why women more often than not stand in closed format and, and men stand in open format? And this is, this is fact. Women have a much wider field of vision than men do. So you can be facing me, looking me in the eye and seeing everything that's going on behind me. If I'm facing you, I feel restricted. I'm only looking at you. And that's why I keep it open. Even though I am talking to you and glancing at you, because that's polite, I'm also able to see the room as well. And that's, so the next, I don't know whether you've ever noticed it, but the next time you go to any sort of event, social or business, look out for the six groups and you'll see that 70, 80% of the time, the women, when they're talking to other people, are facing the person. It might be the man, it might be the woman, but you are far more comfortable facing than we men. We men don't like the intimacy of, of facing each other. That's really interesting. And I love that distinction between the peripheral and the foveal vision as well. I can see that's a really good observation that you've made there, Will. And it probably does stem from the fact that we are predominantly or historically have been the caregivers. And so we always need to have that peripheral vision as opposed to the sort of the male vision needing to be the focus, looking for the hunting vision as well. So maybe that's the case, still a throwback. Well, I, I use that as well, Amy. Of course, I've got no proof about that. But while while the man from the cave was out there hunting and focused on the deer to feed his family, the women were looking after the children. Absolutely. I, I can't think of a better reason why. I think I read that in Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus in the John Gray book a long time ago. But yeah, things have changed. Stereotypes have moved on. But whether the whole evolution has caught up with that, I don't know. But interesting. Thank you so much, Will. We've gone through a real mix of different conversations here. It's been fantastic. And I know that anybody who's been listening will have picked up quite a few tips. How would people get hold of you, Will? Well, I'm proud to say I've got a website that's uh, well and truly used. Very simple. Kintish, K-I-N-T-I-S-H dot co dot UK. Loads of free stuff on there. Loads of videos, me uh, presenting at conferences loads of free tips, loads of funny videos on there, how not to network, Amy. How to, on there, nobody's ever asked me this, um, there's a, a two minute video showing you the rudest networker in the world is on there. 
I can't wait to go and check that out, Will. That sounds fantastic. Brilliant. And, and I'd, I'd love people to link in with me, but tell them all, if you're going to link in with me, send me a personal invitation and remind me that we met or you heard me on the Amy Rowlinson show. Perfect. I will do. I'll put all of that in the show notes so that people can connect to you either through the website or on LinkedIn. Will, have you got some final words for us today, please? If you want to be a success in your career and you want to be a success in business and business development, you have today, you have to do two things. Be visible and be proactive. Simple as that. Don't wait for things to happen. Make it happen for yourself. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.